Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another day for a beautiful interview. And today, this interview, this is close to my heart because um, I have got uh, Carolina Gutierrez with me. Carolina is a woman who is determined to make this world a better place by looking at her own past and maybe talking about the lessons that she had to learn the hard way. Uh, because what we are talking about today is a disease that affects so many of us. It's the disease of being self-employed. And that disease is a bitch because I don't know about you. I certainly in my in my businesses, um, I'm working far too hard, far too long hours. Um, that work-life balance thing, yeah, about that. Um, so now let's actually shine the spotlight on all of those of us who have who have stepped outside of uh, regular employment and are wanting to make this world a better place with with their own actions and being self-employed and running businesses. And let's look at the mental health of those leaders and what we can maybe highlight and how we can improve that. Carolina, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Thanks for having me here, Stefan. Absolute pleasure. Now, I know from you that you're a serial entrepreneur. So you didn't learn the message the first time, did you? Nah, nah <laughs> you just you just kept going. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment, that's for sure. <laughs> Isn't it? When was your first, oh, how old were you when you when your first business came about? I, I was 12. Yes, that's... That's right. What was it? Lemonade? <laughs> no, it was um, it was walking kids back and forth to school. Cool. So I yeah, and then from there I went to babysitting. I sold chocolate in high school to uh, high school students. Yeah. I've had a, quite a interesting uh, start to entrepreneurship. <laughs> and good on you. What drove you? Why did you do that? I'd like to say, give you a noble answer and say that I wanted to improve stuff or that I saw a gap. Um, but it was just something that I was just like, hey, there's no one doing this. Why sh I should do this. But it really was self-serving at the time. It was nothing, nothing as altruistic as what I'm doing today. But it laid a great foundation for me. And I haven't been able to stop since. Absolutely. I mean, and, and in all fairness, we are probably similar age. My, I'm, I'm giving my age away. You don't have to. I'm 56. So when I grew up in Germany, um, I grew up a little up in, younger, just a little younger, little younger. younger. Okay, <laughs> fair call, fair call. Um, I, I wanted you to say, no, you don't look like that. That's a wrong <laughs> answer. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so um, when I was when I grew up in Germany, um, I come from poor working class family. You work mm -hmm. and you often work yeah. more than a job um, Absolutely. and you work hard. And that was instilled in me and that was normal. So from the word, I mean, as, as, as soon as I could, I was working in Bunnings, stacking wood or in a kind of a, 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 what is the American equivalent, any kind of hardware shop, basically yeah, yeah. hardware shop, stacking wood and, and putting things together. So that was normal. And mm -hmm. therefore, that was ingrained in me. You work hard, and then thereafter, you can you maybe can play hard. Um, how was that with you? Absolutely. Same, very similar story. Um, if we're looking at when I first started working, I was probably about five or six. 
because my mother would have part-time jobs that I would be dragged along with her, right? I was I was an unwilling participant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that taught me that taught me work ethic, that taught me yeah. that um, you know, life is at nine to five. Um, that taught me that if you, you know, you want to better yourself, you're gonna have to put more effort than the regular person. <laughs> um, and uh also taught me that, you know, work isn't necessarily a set schedule, right? You're willing to shift and change and adapt as needed. And I'm very grateful for that lesson. That's for sure. Absolutely. And that is what makes us um, successful in our businesses by actually uh, putting the hard work in. You can't have a business and just sit back on the beach and somehow that business is making you money. That's rubbish. Um, I can't remember who actually quoted that, but uh, when in the, in the 80s, there was a, a saying around uh, from one really successful person who said, look, I only ever work half days. And he said, then it doesn't matter which 12 hours I work, only half days. And that said a lot, okay. And the other yeah. one that always was was ingrained in me, um, from Monday to Friday, you keep up with the competition. On Saturday and Sunday, you overtake them. Yeah. So yeah. these Absolutely. were the, the principles with which I grew up, and which I adhere to, and which made me successful. Well, let's I give you all that. Um, the problem is <laughs> that attitude, if you cannot put a leash onto that kills you takes over absolutely it? it runs you rough shot that's for sure when was the first time that you felt whoa this is going a bit bit hot so for me it was a unique scenario because i'm married to an entrepreneur my first so this is my second marriage my first husband was an entrepreneur as well and so i really started to see the patterns early on and in and I run several businesses very similar to you. I run three concurrent businesses right now, full time. Um, and in each of those businesses, I get a unique glimpse into the lives of the entrepreneurs that I'm working with. And I really started to take note that it was probably about 2014 or 2015. Um, I had just started my business, Business in Order. And um, I get to see the back end of businesses. We help with process improvement, technology implementation, very technical. But the therapist, the empath, the, the observer in me never goes away. And I would go into these businesses and, and we'd help them out in a certain area. And I would just started to see these patterns in people. And I started thinking, you know what? You know, I know that I have this. And it's so obvious that they have that, but no one's talking about this. And you could see the pain. You could see the consequences of that hustle culture mm. and that work ethic that I consider to be very much a double-edged sword. Mm. It is what makes us great. It is what makes us different. It is mm. what allows us to stand out from the crowd, but it is also what can take us out. There is a high price that we pay for walking that line. Absolutely. And the the fact, of course, is we are talking here entrepreneurs, but you could actually extend that a little bit further. If you look at a farmer um, who is, you know, responsible yeah, for his absolutely. land, he is nothing else than an entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. let's let's not be silly here and and focus only on service industry or something like that. No, There's, no, absolutely not. 
Exactly. So everyone out there who is trying to earn a living through either providing a service or producing things on his own, uh, with his own hands or with his own energy, that is what we're talking about. Yeah. Whoever bears the responsibility at the end of the day of everything, Mm. really, right? Whether you eat, whether you have clients, whether you respond, whether you don't respond, you know, um, when you're employed, that's your your very tunnel vision in it in what it is that your employees your uh, duties are and what you what you're you're reciprocated for performing that in entrepreneurship you don't have that right so that level of uncertainty that that drives everything that you do is something that um not a lot of people are equipped to handle if you look back at your own uh, experience were there any mentors around when you started off? So I would say that um, my mother was a huge mentor for hard work, but my <laughs> grandfather was a rancher. My grandfather owned land, had um, cattle. He was a cattle farmer. He he had staff. Um, and so that, that mindset of, you know, um, being responsible at the end of the day for for what's around you and the circumstances that you that you decide to take on and that uncertainty that was definitely modeled and on my father's side the same thing they were entrepreneurs as well um they owned a, a I, I didn't know my, my father well but but they owned a, a shoe, shoe sorry shoe chain store um and so i think it runs in my blood for sure like you know I look back and it's like, yeah, my ancestors are here. They're watching. They're <laughs> they're guiding every step that I take in regards to this because they have the experience as well. Uh, excellent. Okay. Now it is. I mean, nowadays I'm I'm finally coming around to putting my pride a bit to the side and actually saying, why do you have to try it all yourself? Why do you have to try it all? Why do you have to all always do it the hard way and make the, yeah. the, the mistakes yourself? So it's only nowadays that I seek uh, closeness uh, and buy time from coaches and from um, people who hold me accountable, but also provide me with the support and and provide me with maybe ways out of situations that I'm I'm not aware of or I have not been aware of. And that of you're self-creating sometimes, right? All yeah. those kind of things are 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 hard. I mean, you always try to think I am it, and I think the higher you are, the more lonesome you make yourself. Oh, absolutely. Did you absolutely. experience that in your life? Yes, definitely. So uh, just going back to the point before that, um, I think that entrepreneurs have to suffer. I always say they have to suffer from two diseases in order to become entrepreneurs. But as soon as they start the journey of entrepreneurship, they need to get help for those diseases. And the first one is I can do it all. You absolutely (laughs) cannot. Let's just burst that bubble right now. And I can do it better, right? And the reality is, is that we have to be convinced of those two things in order to dare to leap and to do it ourselves and to do it differently because there's such a high rate of failure. It's something like 96, 97% of all new businesses fail. So we really have to be delusional in order to start this journey. But as soon as we start it, we need to start to surround ourselves with the support systems that um, can eventually lead to our success. 
Um, and, and when I say success, I mean success in all, in all ways, not just monetary or reputation, but in, you know, life happiness and, yeah. you know, those support systems that surround you. Loneliness is probably the number one complaint that I hear from clients that I bring out in them, I should say, because they won't talk about it, but I'll say, this is kind of lonely, isn't it? And they're like, oh my God, is it ever? Right. So it's kind of this secret that everybody acknowledges, but that, you know, people just kind of suffer in silence about it. And, you know, loneliness can lead to a lot of different other effects in our lives if we look yeah. at our, uh, you know, as the human condition and the effects that that has. So, you know, um, it, it's, it's something that you have to kind of create a system around so that that doesn't consume you. And also it doesn't take you out because loneliness means that you're not bouncing ideas off of the person. You're living in this bubble mm. and you have, you get no external input to what it is that you're doing. And when you're responsible for hundreds or thousands of decisions a day, which entrepreneurs absolutely are from the color of the pencils that you're buying to how you're going to disperse that, that money that you've all of a sudden received that you've been waiting for for two months um, those micro decisions really weigh on you. And if you don't have, you know, someone else around to, like you said, that support system of coaches and, and other, and other people that kind of really give you a, a shift in perspective, then you're drowning. Mm. And that's actually so easy to happen. Um, mm -hmm. I worked well this week. I did a lot of good things today is Saturday and I had a few things. I've got two lovely guests. You're one of them here today. And yet in, in my background, there is an anxiety today that makes it very hard for me to do even the mildest decisions, uh, the, the, the smallest things. Shall I buy carrots or apples kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and there is this, this uh, I, I, it's a strange sensation that comes sometimes over me that makes everything just so bloody hard. Have you got that? So, yes. And w I've learned over time to create certain systems so that my decision fatigue is lessened, number one. Number two, I am a ongoing recover uh, in recovery of perfectionism and control freakness. So those not run naturally in me, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I have to, you know, I have to let go. And I have to say, I simply cannot be responsible for every single decision. And, you know, um, uh, that tendency has been ripped from my, my, my hands unwillingly. <laughs> but it's the only way it is the only way for you to really start to let go and trust because you know what your your creative outlet, if you're really good at what you do as a founder and you have that driving force within you, you should not be making decisions on the color of the pencils that you're buying. Like that is ridiculous. Your decisions should be much more strategic, much more big yes. picture. And I'm someone who loves details. Don't get me wrong. I love details. But if I'm going to grow, if I'm going to play big where I really want to play, if I want to make the impact in the world that I really want to make, it's not going to be making those tiny decisions. See, today is another day where this interview had to happen. 
because these are exactly the words I need to hear. And sometimes the universe <laughs> actually stands there with a two by four in its hand and hits you over the head. And you still don't, you get a headache, you know, but you still don't get the message. And it is bizarre. Um, it is the, the working smarter, not harder, is something, unfortunately, many of us have not learned. Yeah, and in no. fairness, there are certain things, if you're an artist, for example, then, sorry, you can't just outsource someone else doing your art. That doesn't work. No. If you're an anesthetist, then I can't just say, okay, let someone else do it and I get the money for it. Yet it doesn't work. Okay, so there are certain things that obviously you have to be there for and yeah. do. But there are the, the support things around there that sometimes we just... Uh, take on and they can be they can be very therapeutic they can be very nice there is something satisfying in doing your invoices there is something you know what it does Eh? Stefan you know what it does it robs you of your peace and to me that is the guiding principle in all of my endeavors is to achieve to help the people that I help whether it's myself whether it's the world, it's peace, peace of mind, because I think that we as entrepreneurs forget the value of that. And that is something that is so, so think about, think about anything that you do that brings you that peace, whether it's being in the comfort of your home, being around your dog, being surrounded by those that love you. When you have that peace, other things come much more easily. And I think that as business owners, we forget that. So true. So true. So when was the first time that you experienced this kind of insight? What were the the, the kind of the triggers, the, the catalysts that made you actually say, hang on? Yeah. So for me, it was a bit of an interesting story, of course, because I don't do things normally. Um, so for me, Part of my story was um, I had an original business that went bankrupt because I didn't prepare properly. I was a hypnotherapist and I worked with a local psychologist. They changed the legislation where I lived and and it was no longer covered by the coverage that it was before. Uh, So I decided to go back to school to get my master's in social work. And I knew that something was off and I was and I couldn't put my finger on it. I said, you know, maybe it's a learning disability I'm just going to get tested just to make sure because I'm, you know, I was an adult at this point. I'm making the effort of going back. I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. I'm not just going to, you know, throw caution to the wind and just wing it. And my ADHD diagnosis came from that. And it was a big surprise. But at the same time, when I started learning more about it, I'm like, oh my God, this is absolutely not a surprise. Like, How had I not noticed or how had someone else not noticed in my life? And I was in my early thirties when I got diagnosed and, but the re and I'm going to come back to the point. So don't think it's just a little bit of a detour. Um, But what happened was, was that I had this circle of chaos that surrounded my early life because I, I didn't know what was going on. And I tell people jokingly, my mother would find my keys in the freezer. Like to that extent, it was just, you know, just all over the place. Right. And so when I was about 18 or 19, I said, I can't live like, like this, like, this isn't normal. This isn't okay. Something is off. 
but I thought it was a personal failing of mine. And so I, I, you know, I studied and I, and I picked every book that I could find on getting organized and reading blogs. Blogs were big at the time and there were podcasts, but I really did all my self-study that I could. Well, lo and behold comes this diagnosis. And I was like, oh, okay. So it gave me this new perspective. And I was able to pair that with all of this knowledge that I had acquired beforehand. And I was really able to superimpose one over the other. Mm. And, you know, really all of a sudden, everything that I had learned was on steroids because I understood my particular type of ADHD and what that looked like. And one of the things that my university provided for me, which I'm very grateful to this day, was they sat me down with what's called the learning technologist. And she teaches you the technology that's specific for your ADHD. And tech is my love language, I tell people. So I'm like, you're speaking my language. And so all of a sudden, I saw the power of systems, processes, and tools applied to my particular style. And I went from taking four hours, five hours to proofread an essay, and I was doing them in under 20 minutes. Uh, And so I said, peace. That was my first, that was my first step into peace. And as that program continued, I fell out of love with my program. I didn't continue, but a business that I had started on the side, kind of helping people with their technology continued to grow. And I really started to apply what I had learned from my own diagnosis and from assistive technologies that are out there in regards to combining that when I was helping these business owners. Because what I really started to see was that a lot of business owners had some of the same things that I did. And, you know, if we put some research in behind that and we throw some numbers in, which I ended up doing much later on, I wouldn't say that that's something that kind of like that clicked right away. But the statistic is is staggering. 72 to 73% of business owners suffer from a diagnosed or undiagnosed type of mental illness. That means three quarter of us are suffering and we might not know why and it usually is the reason why we choose to do things the harder way because we're we're able to do them on our terms versus adjusting to a system that doesn't understand us that is not created for us and that does not see the world how we see it so that challenge is what we lean into in order to become successful so do you see it's a very interesting dynamic that plays there and why peace is so important, you know, bringing it back to the original point. <laughs> oh, no, so true. But it's the peace in which new ideas can grow. That's if exactly. you're in a in a constant storm of adrenaline and cortisol, then you are only reacting in a fight and mm-hmm. flight scenario. There's nothing original coming out of that. You're basically Absolutely. like a like a yeah, an animal more or less working on those instincts etc and sometimes yeah. the instincts can be very good and sometimes there's time to be to be in chaos but if you are there all the time then it's probably a bit more likely that you're going to lose yourself both absolutely as a, and, it, and it, your a, nervous system it shoots your nervous like it just it puts you into a place where um that creative fire that burns within mm-hmm. every entrepreneur um is just simply not as productive or not as effective, right? Correct. It's almost like we're being reactive mm-hmm. versus purposeful and and uh, be moving with intention. That's a very very wise point, and it's it's so hard. I mean, why are we so stuck with 
with us having to do it all ourselves. Because that seems to be the, the key stumblestone, isn't it? The key thing that holds us back, literally the chain and the ball around our leg. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I think, like I said, I think we need to suffer from that delusion. We really do. It is really part of, it is one of the keys to um, going out on your own. If mm. you talk to somebody who's not an entrepreneur, the first thing that they say is like, it's fear that comes up, mm. right? Mm. We tend to be, entrepreneurs tend to be fearless or the fear doesn't stop them. They might feel it. I know I'm diagnosed with anxiety, so I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm I'm fearless because I'm absolutely not. I I walk fear walks side by side with me every uh, day. We just learn not to let fear lead. But um, you know the the risk taking is higher, right? We don't measure the consequences the same. And I I really think we think we're almost oracles in the assuredness that we carry that our idea is going to succeed right but it's just not letting ourselves get in the way of that success I you know I give clients the example all the time and you were you were bringing this up earlier um bookkeeping is absolutely not my zone of genius it absolutely is not I know when you owe me money <laughs> And that's, I think that's all I need to know. I'm, I lovingly and willingly pay someone to count my beans for me and make sure that, you know, we're, we're notifying the accountant correctly. But if you think that I'm going to spend my precious energy sitting there and, and collating receipts and all of that stuff, that is not my zone of genius. And I, and I burn my energy instead of actually use it as a fuel for something that, that I wish to create. Hard words for me to swallow because I'm guilty as charged here. Um, as I oh, said, wow. there was there was a universe there um, waiting, ready to to deliver you in front of me uh, in an open <laughs> setting where I can't run away for crying out loud. Okay, Providence, talk about Providence has an interesting way, right, of, <laughs> of showing up in our life, <laughs> being held accountable, kind of a thing, and and having the mirror in front of your face is yeah. is not necessarily a nice experience. But it's an experience that we all need to have. And that's where really where groups come in and and finding your own tribe comes in. It is, as, as mentioned before, I've only really within the last two years uh, joined uh, certain groups, leadership groups that hold me accountable and I hold them accountable from where they are. And it is beautiful. It's scary. I hate it. I love it. Um, it's <laughs> it's all of the above. But I mean, this is something where we can actually help each other and go out there, and make this a better a better world. And you have you have essentially done exactly the same thing. This is your passion to go out to help others, maybe see more sense in what is happening, maybe explore the systems that uh, they are working within and maybe seeing if there is really um, maybe holding a mirror in front of their face. Is that yeah. is that fair to say what you're doing? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say maybe, but I think that business does a fantastic job of holding a mirror to our face. There's nothing like running a business to push all of the buttons 
and insecurities that we have as individuals. (laughs) Whether we're willing to listen to them or not is a different story, but the mirror's Uh there. I might just go in and clean it a bit, you know, give it a nice little wipe down, but the mirror is always there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Touche. (laughs) So what was the journey from you to being the serial entrepreneur and maybe seeing that things are not right towards actually taking action and going out there and helping others? What was the catalyst for that? So for me, um, you know, I was doing this very technology process driven, um, right brain type of work, but that therapist in me was always there and I was always watching and I was like, why is, you know, these people are in pain. There's people that are actually suffering here and, and no one's talking about it. And I kept saying that over and over and over again, but it took COVID and it took the silence and the even more isolation. Um, that COVID brought to really bring that to the forefront and say, what about, you know, like I have the skills, I have the training, I have the education. um, I have worked in peer support settings in the past. Um, I worked in very difficult peer support settings. Uh, You know, part of my practicum in university was um, facilitating peer support groups for uh, adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse. So I've been in those really uncomfortable rooms and I'm like, I have the skills. Why am I not doing this? And so I was able to, um, I developed a program during COVID called Soul Circles. And it's a specifically designed program to address the emotional impact that entrepreneurship brings into our lives. So it's only for founders. It's only for entrepreneurs. And it's run by entrepreneurs. So it's, you're not sitting there with somebody in a chair saying, you know, you should do this. No, you're sitting there talking to people that are living your reality and you are hearing Mm. your own story come out of their mouth. Because (laughs) entrepreneurs, we require that respect, right? Like we come, we're we're, unfortunately, a lot of us tend to be students of the, of the school of hard learning. I know I'm, I'm a member and I wish that I wasn't, but I still (laughs) go back every (laughs) once in a while. And so We don't respect, we don't give respect very easy when it comes to, you know, taking advice, right? These masterminds that you were talking about or these groups, are they with other entrepreneurs? That is correct. Yeah. With people who are going And that's why we value them, right? That is correct. And to to see, sorry, ladies first. No, no. Okay. So my, the only difference in my group in that mastermind is that we don't talk about business. We talk about the effects of business Mm -hmm. and we talk about the things that business pops up, but we don't talk about your marketing. We're not talking about your cash flow or your leadership style. We're talking about what shows up for you Mm -hmm. every day when you're forced to wear that mask Mm -hmm. of everything's okay. When inside it's like, everything is not okay, but I dare not share this with anyone. Mm But that only shows that we have got so many roles in our lives. And whilst we might be maybe are identifying for a large amount of time as the entrepreneur, we still have got the roles of lover, husband, wife, other relationships, father, son, uh, those kind of things. So it is, there is, there's so much more going on. And I often found in my life, that actually, if I could just throw myself into my work, then it allowed me to forget the trauma 
that was happening in other parts of my life or that happened in my past. So what do you say to a workaholic who really uses his work to escape his own reality? The moment you say, no, man, you need to stop and you need to think, that means you have to stop and have to suffer in that case. You have to feel. Correct. You have to feel. And the reality is, is that the best entrepreneurs that are out there are the entrepreneurs that have done the hard work. And when I say the hard work, it's not about working 16 hours a day. It's not about seven days a week. It's not about missing your kid's birthday party. It's about being able to be quiet, turn the gaze inwards, and start to analyze yourself oh. and what's going on inside. And that is the hardest work that you will ever do. But it is when you combine it with your passion of entrepreneurship and you combine it with the ability to know thyself, you are unstoppable. Unstoppable. <laughs> I actually 100% agree because I came to the same point from the addiction point of view. I um, was I was trying to escape reality first with work and then with alcohol. And the alcohol got stronger and stronger, ultimately. And that then started me to, uh, first of all, stop the alcohol, then having to start feeling and having to start living a life where I could not hide, therefore having to address the hard truths. And that in turn made me so much better in my job, made me so much better as in my other roles. So yeah, it is beautiful. Exactly. I just come from a different background from the addiction point of view. But ultimately, our common path now where you and I are at is how can we actually be the best person? And with that best, with those best, maybe or with different core drivers, with our different mm -hmm. core beliefs, maybe, just maybe we can actually live a life that is so much more fruitful, so much Absolutely. easier, easier with Absolutely. less anxiety, with less well, Because you're happen. being true to yourself. Think about it, Stefan, you're being true to yourself. And I firmly believe, and this is part of my program, I firmly believe that the minute that the world starts to listen to their intuition, starts to be able to accept their internal guidance, mm. our world will change. And I don't mean that in a trite, I don't mean to be cute or anything. I genuinely think that we as a world have been running away from that. Mm. And we're seeing the effects of that with COVID because for a small period of time, the words, the world stood still mm. and we were forced either willingly or unwillingly to start to hear that guidance. <laughs> and we're seeing all of the effects of that. And yes, it's turmoil. And yes, it's a little scary. But, you know, things needed to be shaken up, right? People needed to recognize, I hate my job and mm. I'm going to need to change it. And even if it means that I'm making less money, my mental health and how I show up for my family or how I show up for whatever is important in my life mm. is more important than selling myself for, a, 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 you know, a company or an industry that doesn't care about me. So really at the core of everything, the way I live my life, the way what leads me to want to do these endeavors of really helping my clients find peace, regardless of the business that I'm working in, is hoping that that clearest voice that they hear is the one from mm. within, because that that voice always leads you to your best outcome. Yeah. Now, 
Is it difficult? Sure, because that voice might not adhere to the agenda that I want, right? So, you know, it is another level of commitment to to not only walk that talk for yourself, but hold space for others to walk that talk. Mm. But, um, you know, when you stop running, that's when it really starts to get interesting. And I see it. I see it in my entrepreneurs all the time because I, I am uniquely equipped to talk business and feelings in the same at the same level and with the same ease. And as soon as I start to talk feelings, you can see the faces go a little pale because <laughs> they don't know, you know, that's just the world that they're not used to. But I, you know, you really need to get used to that. If you're going to do any type of servant leadership, if you're going to show up in an authentic way, if you're going to make the changes that you want to make, you have to be authentic to yourself. And that's the hardest because many entrepreneurs, many leaders are identifying so much with what they're doing at work that they have lost themselves. If you actually ask them, who are you? If you had asked me 10 years ago, who are you? I would have said, I'm a doctor. I'm a pain physician. Yeah, Um, that's me. No, no. Who are you, Stefan? I just told you. Um, It's I could have not answered that differently. And in all fairness, when I stopped running, um, when I stopped working for a bit, and when I stopped drinking, I was an empty shell. Yeah. Now that was that is a negative way of putting it. With hindsight, I put it as an empty canvas, and I could start painting new fresh strokes on there, and I actually could create a picture that nowadays I'm actually quite proud of. It's still a bit of an abstract picture, and I think it's not a. Isn't it for all of us, though? Isn't it for all of us? <laughs> true, so true, but it is that it is the ability. So, um, let's let's phrase it or rephrase it a bit, a little bit. Uh, it you might come to a point where you just want to throw it all in, and mm-hmm. you might hit the burnout uh, button, and the the white towel is just about falling, and you're about to give up your business, etc. I congratulate you for reaching that point because it means that your pain is now so much that you're willing to change, that you're willing to go out there to actually make a difference. Make a difference first by yourself. Take a long, hard look. What is driving you nuts? And if it is your business, if it is truly your business, then maybe that is great. Then you have figured out this is the wrong path that you have taken you gave it a shot, but maybe it's time to look at something else. That's cool. Or you could actually say, I've proven myself in such a rut. I have tried to take on absolutely every aspect of my work. And bang. But what do you say to those people who have been entrepreneurs? Then COVID came. They had to let some of their staff go. Staff who normally took on those roles that they are that the entrepreneur is not so good in. But in order to survive, the business yeah. is now running on skeleton stuff. How do you how do you integrate that? Is that not then a pipe dream? What we are both saying here, you need to look after your mental health. And he's saying, for fuck's sake, my my business is basically broken. I don't know how to pay the free guys that I've left. So what I would say to those entrepreneurs is I don't have the answer that's going to fix how they're going to pay that staff. I don't. I wish I did. But what I can say to them is you need to start to talk about it. And you need to start to talk about it openly. Hmm. You need to 
you know, cut off the head of the three-headed monster of business, which is denial, shame, and secrecy. Because <laughs> those three together create a shitstorm of issues for us, not only in the emotional place, but in the in, in the business world, right? And it's something that will take us out in business. And people won't even know, like, and, and we're so worried about what other people think that maybe we're keeping staff on too long than we shouldn't, right? And I'm not saying be callous about the people that you're responsible for. Absolutely not. But you have to be honest and you have to be able to speak about that openly because when you don't, you're painting yourself into a corner. There's a reason why the World Health Organization says that entrepreneurs are four times more likely to take their life. That is not a a made-up, mild, underestimated statistic. That is a reality of entrepreneurship that I that no one is talking about. And when you have these these secrets like this one that I'm drowning and nobody knows, the number one thing, the number one cause, the number one impetus towards taking your life is thinking that you don't have options. So it 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 really is something that is you know, you might think I'm a bleeding heart and there's lots of, you know, uber uh, money-driven business owners out there. But really what I'm talking about makes you a better business owner. It makes you a better person in the process. Great. But if it ha- if you need a driving force that's something bigger than making yourself a better person, it'll make you a better business owner. And that's so true. It's I had to laugh when you were saying this free-headed monster. Um, I call them the evil twins of shame and mm-hmm. guilt. But you added the denial in. I love that. And these secrecy, are the free hallmarks. The <laughs> these are the free hallmarks of addiction. Yeah. That's a typical addictive behavior. But I love to to hear you using it in a different setting. And it it reflects so beautifully our our negative coping mechanisms those coping mechanisms that you think will somehow protect your business when in reality it is actually bullshit the other thing you need to say as an entrepreneur and as a man the moment i have spoken out in my life and was honest i Really, I I cannot recall a single incident where actually something negative occurred. In actual fact, by you speaking out, you become a role model for others. More importantly, you might actually join a brotherhood of men and women who are out there and are saying, no, we have got enough of that bullshit, of that, that facade, those masks, all the crap, and inside we are dying. Instead, they might actually say, hey, look, you know, we know exactly how you are. Hey, we are actually in the same boat as you. And from simply from an entrepreneurship, they might say, look, uh, you know, we have actually figured out a way how we can save money by um, combining forces. Therefore, have have a better buying power, can negotiate better prices, etc. You might be surprised what suddenly comes out of the woodwork, just Mm -hmm. purely from a financial and from a business perspective. Uh, It is amazing what can happen when you actually open your mouth. Um, And think, what are you leading with? You're leading with yourself. You're leading with that, that internal flame that that soul part of ourselves 
that we all that we all have. Yeah. Um, and and we can get lost in the business world because we're focusing on on you know on on mm. figures and on operations and yeah. on all of these things. And I always say, bring it back to what that that voice that you had that said you can you can start this. That part that really had you kind of awaken that in. Yeah. We take it back to that core part. Yeah. We're going to bring ourselves back into alignment and start to really find our our place in the world again. And that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. But if I could, if you don't mind, um, Stefan, I love how you tied it into um, into addiction. So I, there is a reason why I modeled my Soul Circles program after um, partially after AA. Because I think that um, there's there's a few reasons. Number one, because the model works so well. Peer support is just way more effective. You know that in your own uh, in your in your own space, sixty eight percent more effective than regular therapy. Number one. Number two, addiction is something that is very prevalent in the entrepreneurial space. It is one of the unfortunate negative coping coping mechanisms that entrepreneurs um, take on. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really important dynamic, I think, that needs to be addressed. Um, and and I forgot what the statistic is in regards to addiction and entrepreneurship, but high risk behaviors in general, right? Just as we we use it to take a chance and and go out and create something really cool, we're also adrenaline junkies in a way, right? <laughs> so true, so true. Oh goodness, uh, this is yeah. It's it, it's it amazes me how much we have come from very different backgrounds, yet the lessons we have learned in our lives are virtually identical. And that just shows that that sobriety, for example, is only a starting point. That you beating some of your demons, some of the negative behaviors is only a starting point towards. Yeah. The, maybe heading the right path and the right path is becoming a more resilient a more a, more, a better human for the lack of a better word uh, i love that path i absolutely do and but i'm absolutely clear that i don't want to walk this path alone i believe we all need power teams in business uh, in in our lives, I think that is so important. A power team for me is a team where I'm the dumbest member of that team. Okay, I, I don't want to be. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I don't want to be the leader in that team because that mm-hmm. that doesn't give me anything. No, I want to no. be the dumbest guy, um, the the newbie, so to speak. And I think if we start from that expectation that we're happy to be the newbie who is making mistakes but who can openly talk about them and instead of having learned the, the mess the lessons from their own mistakes maybe get guided for a series of steps that yeah. fast track and speed up our path to success may that be defined as financial wealth or may that be defined as having a a relationship where all the sparks are flying again compared with the half dead horse that you were flogging um you know however you define that you go for it but there are certain steps and i guess i guess finding a mentor um is a bloody good thing 
So if people actually uh, think, hey, this Carolina, she really got her shit together. Um, how can no, they find? Oh, please don't. No, I absolutely don't. Part of my part of my own um, mental wellness routine and part of my um, leading by example in this in this new way of looking at things yeah. is being radically honest. I absolutely do not have my shit together. Let's <laughs> just put that out there and be really clear. I think that I'm being able to admit that is yeah. the first step exactly. to getting it together. <laughs> um, I have off weeks and oh, yeah. I have weeks where I am on the ball and I, and most of the time I'm just somewhere in between. Um, but radical honesty really comes into play and, and knowing where my weak spots are and starting to set kind of some training wheels or some parameters around yeah. that so that I know when I'm kind of, starting to falter a bit. Yeah. Um, an example that I give myself is as a woman, you know, and being of a certain age, keeping house, you know, the state of your home is a big deal, right? And so instead of being really hard on myself when it starts to get a little out of hand, because, you know, I used to have help and with COVID, we had to, we had to put that on hold. Um, I instead use it in a compassionate way and saying, hey, something's going on. You're starting to, you know, the signs are starting to show that you're not in alignment right now. And so I have certain things that I will use in order to bring myself back into alignment and say, hey, what's going on? So instead of being like shame on you or, you know, being hard on myself, I try and be really, really compassionate with that. Oh, that's fantastic. That's absolutely lovely. And it's that compassion, the self-compassion. These are all corny words for a man, a real man who's <laughs> yeah. going out there taking the business by its horns and uh, when i say men the same is for the girls we need to break yeah. through this this glass ceiling here i have got my my high heels on and i'm gonna stamp on the competition i'm gonna show them that i can be super wife super mum, super yeah. super entrepreneur it's the pressures that we put on ourselves yeah. that are basically where you're juggling with chainsaws and sooner or later uh blood will flow and Absolutely. you you will you will end up with the scars um maybe yeah. not on the outside but certainly on the inside and even on the outside i think too because i know for myself when i started um business in order back 10 years ago um i was going from being a hypnotherapist full time feelings and emotions and yeah. you know people crying in front of me. And that was kind of my every day to going to a B2B business. Like, could I go anything further and more separate than what I did? <laughs> Left hand I brain selling, to the right hand brain. <laughs> exactly. So I was selling business to business services to other businesses. And, you know, I went into technology is a very male dominated world. And I went into the business world where I would go to networking meetings where I would be one, you know, in a group of 30, I'd be one of four women. Yeah. And so you know, for a long time, I was like, okay, I got to like adjust and, and do business this way. And what I've learned is, yeah, I'm not doing that. And and I haven't been doing that for a while. And um, for me, it's not a matter of breaking the glass ceiling. It's a matter of just doing business the way I want to do business. And part of that is leading with my intuition, period, end of story. My coach doesn't like it. I know that my coach doesn't like it. And, you know, but, you know, I don't really care. <laughs> this is how I'm choosing. So the structures and the systems that that very kind of male dominated way of doing business that looks at figures and, and, yeah. and, you know, outcomes, that's still there. But I don't lead with that. 
I lead with the feminine side of me that, you know, very much feels their way through. And then I'm supported by those businesses. And that's where I'm finding success. And, you know, everybody's entitled and and I encourage everyone to find what fits for you. Mm. But after 10 years of really kind of banging my head, when I started to work in this fashion, you know, it was like the, you know, heavens opened up and the angels sang. And and I really started to see the fruits of my success. Um, But it was only in being authentic to how I show up. Beautiful. And that's, that's, I think, where we where we should leave it here for this this uh, interview because it's so beautiful the way you show up, and it is up to you to make those choices. No one forces you to be in the role that you are now stressed, running crazy. Um, you make choices, and these choices they are a privilege. You have already made that choice to become an entrepreneur. Brilliant. You're making many other choices, yet at the same token, you you are not happy. So time to stand back, time to see yeah. maybe it is time to get in touch with someone like Carolina Gutierrez to actually have a chat and actually see where are we going here? Is that really the way I want to run the next five years? Uh, and what is the outcome of that? What are the costs of that for me? Or is it maybe worthwhile to consider an investment into my own mental health, which between you and me, don't tell anyone, but it will come back to you in tenfold in money oh, terms. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. There are no yeah. two ways around it. It mm-hmm. took me $27,000 to get for four weeks of rehab money we didn't have. That money, I have a long Recute. They were basically within a year or two, I had that money back. And then from now on, I'm on um forever um <laughs> good return of income. Uh so it's perfect. So you know it's just a matter of putting that ego aside. If you true. just put that ego aside, you know, it, it you really see you start to see the changes. Carolina, where do people find you? Um, you can go to book Carolina B O O. K and Carolina, like the state, Carolina.com. And there you'll be able to find about my speaking and all, all the different projects that I'm involved in. And okay. also uh, be able to listen to um, the intro episode of my own podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. Guys, going to have a look down there into the description of the podcast and of the YouTube video uh, because you have got all the de- details there. There is no excuse for you not to check her out. So go out there. And if you are wanting a bit more with regards to the the management of addiction, go out there, check out my book, My Steps to Sobriety. Um, In actual fact, I use a very, very uh, similar approach to explain the AA, like that of a failing business and you as a friend wanting to help that failing business. So it's spooky the way, Carolina, you have have, uh, (laughs) built your cycles. and your circles that's because exactly the same thing that i'm i'm talking about just in mildly different words but ultimately guys go out there you have got a life to live live it with passion look after yourself and the mental health is a key ingredient with that if you are broken on the inside your business will be broken in 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 a matter of weeks and months okay because people will know and people would rather go somewhere else than dealing 
with you as the broken person, with you as a broken person saying, I am broken and I'm actually sorting my shit out or I'm going out there and be open and honest about it, sharing your story in a safe environment and therefore gaining strength. You're still broken, but you're you're no longer a victim. You're now a survivor. You're a thriver if you keep doing the work. And that's exactly what Carolina is all about. So, Carolina, I'm so grateful that you came today on my show. Thank you again for uh, making me think, making me uh, me actually make changes in my own life. Um, oh, wow. Two critical Thank changes you. that will happen now. Um, I didn't think it would come true, but here you are. See, sometimes the universe sends you exactly the message that you need to hear. Stefan, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Bye. Dream,